Hello everyone, Eddie Smith here from Midwestern Marks coming at you with chapter four of Lenin's imperialism. Chapter four is on export capital. Um, and my my uh, copy here, it's one, two, three, four, five, five and a half pages. So really short, uh, but one of the most important chapters, I think, uh, to understanding Lenin's theories here. Um, so in the last chapters, we talked about the growth of monopoly capitalism and the growth of banks as a way to move capital around uh, much easier as an intermediary between capitals. And then the joining of the banks and the industrial capitalists, which is what's going to create which call, what Lenin calls finance capital. Okay, so Lenin starts off where he, or starts this chapter where we left off in chapter three, um, talking about under free competition, uh, goods were exported. So uh, commodities were exported um, around the world and traded. Um, but now under this new stage of capitalism, the stage of monopoly capitalism, rather than goods being exported, capital is exported. Um, so capitalism is going to develop and monopolize, and those monopolies are going to begin exporting capital. So capitalism, Lenin's going to point out, develops sporadically, um, and it's mo it's going to develop first in the West, so in European countries um, and in America also. And um, Lenin is going to refer to the lesser developed countries as backward countries. So we would kind of think about those as maybe what you'd call developing countries or um, or uh, the third world is something we call them. The term developing countries kind of comes from the idea that that these countries are going to are going to develop, um, which they will. But but uh, colonialism and and imperialism is also going to keep them in relative poverty. Um, so the term developing world has been has been critiqued and questioned. But that's who Lenin's talking about here. And he's going to say there forms a superabundance of capital in the non-developing countries. So in the most developing, developed countries who are on the West, um, there's going to form a superabundance of capital. The capitalists are going to get much richer. The banks are going to get much larger. There's going to be these giant, um, essentially, or these giant, uh, monopoly corporations. I, was, I almost said multinational corporations, but but we're getting to that. They're going to become multinational corporations. Um, so these monopolies are formed in some countries have a superabundance of capital. Um, so so when you have all this money, the capitalists, what are they going to do with it, right? Um, so they can't continue to just move it around in their own country. They have this superabundance. And, and of course, they, we know they're not going to use the surplus value that they have to increase the living standard of the society they live in, right? They're not going to focus it. Lenin uses the example of agriculture um, because agriculture was lagging far behind the development of industry. So now we have enough food. We produce enough food these days to feed everyone. We just don't distribute it to everyone. Um, but back then, agriculture was lagging behind. And Lenin was saying, of course, capitalists won't invest in agriculture to raise the standard of living of their own country. What they're going to do is they're going to start exporting capital to the developing countries. Um, now, because of banks, because of this, these intermediaries, which will move um, capitalist capital around for them like that, like we've talked about in the past episodes, the banks are going to allow these capitalists, these industrial capitalists and these bankers to export their capital to the backwards countries, as they call, as Lenin calls them. And of course, the backwards countries are going to be able to pay crap wages and they're going to be to be able to extract resources much cheaper than they would in their home country. Um so Lenin, Lenin uses a series of graphs here, um, which I think is interesting. He talks about um, the increase in banks and the increase in, uh, in finance capital that exists in France, Germany, and America. Or, uh, sorry, he uses uh, the U.S., France, and Germany, 
and the UK. And he talks about the increase in banks there. And then he talks about their increase in foreign investment. And if you watch from um, the 18, I think he goes from like, let's see, I'll take a look at it actually. He goes from 1862 to 1914, um, and he and he tracks the amount of banks and the amount of capital invested abroad, and it increases drastically in Great Britain, France, and Germany. I'm sorry, the U.S. isn't in this one. I, I messed up in mentioning the U.S. and the distribution. And he also tracks the distribution of foreign capital, so where exactly those countries were exporting their capital to. But essentially, he goes um, goes to the the statistics um, of the economy, you know, that were probably being published by capitalists, by Business Insider, you know, today or whatever, Financial Times, whatever these these stock market outlets are. And he looked at what was going on with the capital um, and he looked at where these countries were exporting their capital to. And he used that to make his observations. And um, and that just shows uh, Lenin's Lenin's commitment to the uh, to materialism and the scientific investigation of the economy that was started before him by Marx. So Marx's theory, you know, if you read Capital, it's filled with these accounting books and with these long tables and statistics about um, what uh, different uh, factories are producing and the growth of capital and the movement of capital and where they're investing. Um, and you see Lenin following in that tradition here while he tries to explain imperialism, right? He goes, he goes to the substance. What can we see? What can, can let's look at what's happening with um, the capital and, and what's happening is it's monopolizing itself, uh, the banks, as well as the industrial capital, and it's exporting itself to countries which are less developed. So, um, oh yeah. And okay, sorry. <laughs> and now moving on to the next part. Um, so capitalism begins to develop faster in these countries where the export capital is going, right? So you start to develop a bourgeoisie and a proletariat or peasant class or a working class. Um, and the exporting country, the super abundance country who's exporting all of the capital um, has, has almost full control over how the country they're exporting to develops, right? Because the capital is controlled by multinationals who exist in the Western countries, in, um, in the superabundance countries, they're able to control what that capital does and, and the development of the countries that they're exporting to. So uh, an example, obviously, I'm going to jump to Venezuela because that's, you know, the country I've studied more than anything. I mean, they're people love to jump on Chavez and Maduro, right? Even socialists, they go, oh, they, have they haven't um, diversified the economy, right? They're too dependent on oil, um, which is true. And, and that's my one critique of them is that they, you know, they should have tried to diversify the economy more than they did. But the reason they're so dependent on oil isn't because of Chavez and Maduro. And you hear people try and pin that on them all the time. Oh, they tied the whole socialist program to oil. They tied all the social programs to oil. Um, that was their mistake. The oil industry got too big and it was a disaster because oil, uh, global oil prices dropped. Not exactly. So British Petroleum and Dutch Shell um, were the export capital that the UK was sending. I think it was the UK. Uh, well, it was British Petroleum and Dutch Shell. So these, these giant multinationals based in the West were extracting tons of oil from Venezuela um, under like a neo-colonial kind of puppet government who was ruling over Venezuela, extracting tons of oil and only oil. So, so they got to control how Venezuela developed. And Venezuela developed completely de dependent on oil. They developed what's called Dutch disease, where one industry in your economy is so big 
uh, that it dwarfs all the other industries and the other industries don't grow and they lag behind. So Venezuela, because of the amount of oil they have and because of the amount of profit Dutch Shell stood to make on that, Dutch Shell and British Petroleum did exactly what Lenin's saying here, exported capital to Venezuela and started extracting resources for cheap labor. And, the Ven and they got to control how the Venezuelan economy developed and it developed extremely dependent on oil. So when Chavez took over in 1998, the Venezuelan economy was already entirely dependent on oil. That had nothing to do with him. And he tied the social programs. He had a 60.6% increase in social programs and launched literacy campaigns and, and all the things that socialists try and do. It was funded by the oil industry because that's all Venezuela had at that point was the oil industry. But that was crafted by the, by the capitalists. That wasn't crafted by the Socialist Party of Venezuela. Um, which is exactly what Lenin's talking about here. Um, once these countries export capital, they get to decide how countries develop. And then if we're looking and studying Latin American countries or African countries or what Lenin calls the backward countries today, if you try and analyze those countries without understanding how their economies were crafted by capital in the 1900s, then you're not going to be able to fully understand the country. So just thought that was an interesting anecdote and it shows how, um, how theory can help us interpret the real world. So um, Lenin also talks about how you have countries asking for loans from superabundance countries. And, and these loans work exactly how we know loans to work today when, when uh, large Western countries or the IMF or the World Bank are offering loans to countries in the global south. These loans come with stipulations, right? You can buy from us or we'll give you loans, but you also have to get rid of all your social programs and make trade unions illegal, right? Um, implement austerity, right? That's how they implement neoliberalism um, is they, they do these loans. And, and Lenin talks about the French. Uh, the French would, would tie stipulations to their loans they were giving and they would say, you also have to buy weapons from us, right? So if, if we're going to give you these loans, you need to buy weapons from us. And here you can see what, what eventually will become the military industrial complex starting to form. Um, where, where imperialism is being done solely for the sake of weapons. And also you see how now the export of capital also becomes the export of commodities. You have French goods going to the areas they've colonized um, based on these loans with, with ties attached to them, right? These will give you a loan, but you have to buy weapons from French military companies, right? And now all those companies are based in the U.S., like uh, Raytheon, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Halliburton, um, and it's the same exact thing uh, that's going on. And then I also want to point out uh, after Lenin in 1945, you had the uh, after World War II, you had the IMF and the World Bank who were formed, whose job was supposedly to stabilize the world economy. But of course, um, since we live in a capitalist society, they became tools of private capital. And now the IMF and the World Bank have become infamous for their structural adjustment loans, right? Which are those loans we were talking about, loans with strings attached. We'll give you all this money, um, but you got to cut austerity. And then these right wing um, and sometimes right a lot, most of the time, right wing military dictators take over in, in the global south. And then they end up just, you know, being totally corrupt, um, taking all the money for themselves, implementing austerity and allowing the masses um, of the global south to live in poverty while there's like a rich few who are exporting capital back to the west or not who are. Uh, who are involved with export capital from the West. Um, so Lenin finishes saying finance capital spreads its net worldwide. Um, and these, these superabundance countries essentially divide up the world 
um, between themselves. And, and then he leaves us on a cliffhanger and says, and they're also going to divide up uh, the, the actual physical borders of the world, um, which is what he's going to talk about in chapter five. So I'll see you guys back for chapter five then, a uh, short chapter today. Um, so I went pretty in depth on everything. Hope this was a good explanation. I uh, hope you're enjoying the series, um, whether you're reading along or not. I'm really enjoying doing this. It's helping me um, understand the book and, and what Lennon was saying and his arguments better. Uh, just because, you know, one of the best ways to learn something is to teach something. So I'm really enjoying this and I hope you all are too. Thank you for all your support. Like, comment, subscribe. Come back next time. Peace.